All right, gentlemen. Happy Easter. Happy, happy Easter. Easter. He is risen. Can we say the A word? Alleluia. Alleluia. Huh? <laughs> well, gentlemen, it's been a good Lent so far. And here we are, Easter Sunday, the resurrection of the Lord. Wow. We've been waiting a very long time for this. Yeah. It's just like sports commentary. <laughs> <laughs> and we finally made it. That's right. So for today, we're going to focus on the readings, not for the Triduum, nor for the Easter Vigil, but just for the, just for the readings for Sunday morning, uh, the Mass of Easter Day. So if you're following along at home, this would be like John 20, 1 through 9 for the Gospel, uh, which is Mary Magdalene. I got to be completely honest, I re- had a really hard time like focusing <laughs> anywhere. Like mm. there, <laughs> there was, It was a lot. Like, it wasn't even that I was lazy and had only, like, two minutes to look. I, I sat down with this for, like, ten minutes, and, like, the first reading had a lot going on, uh, second reading a lot going on, and the gospel a ton going on. And I was like, my mind can't rest anywhere and settle anywhere. And I thought, you know, maybe this is one of those Sundays where you just talk about Easter in general. <laughs> and, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, we've been through this Lenten journey, and you just talk about the resurrection and how awesome that is. Um, now, I will say that there's... The sequence for this week is also in the readings, which I thought was really cool. Um, And as I read that, I guess one thing that that peaked in my mind was how joyful this celebration is. Uh, And I just started thinking a lot about joy. And maybe what would a homily look like where you preach about joy? I I guess I don't often think about joy and the joy of the resurrection. Um, And then connecting the joy piece from the sequence to, you know, the running of the apostles and the running of Mary Magdalene. It's like you run in haste you know, because you have excitement and joy about what's about to happen or what, you're, what you've received. So that's one angle. And then maybe the other angle that I thought was really great was to think about how the, the first reading and the second reading touch on two things that I thought were really good. First, the first reading, you have Peter preaching on what's, what's in the book of Acts, and he's speaking about being a witness and being commissioned to testify. So right there, you have the, the sending out aspect But then in the second reading, you have Paul speaking to the Corinthians about themselves, about casting out bad yeast and becoming better yeast for the dough. So you have this dynamic of go out, but then you also have on the other side, the be transformed. And holding those two things together, if you look at the gospel, you have Mary Magdalene goes out, and then you have John the Apostle transformed, the beloved disciple, going from incredulity to he saw and believed. So the dynamic of being sent out, being transformed first and then being sent out. I think that's a that's a dynamic that will be very important this Easter is to think about how it is that only those who are only those who are first touched by Christ are then sent out. Once you've met the risen Lord, you're you're sent out. And that that those go together. Yeah, I really like that. I think I think there's a lot there. And especially this idea of going forth, being transformed and going forth. Uh, I often like to compare and contrast uh, the disciples that run towards the tomb and the disciples that run away to Emmaus. And so you've got these two groups, right? And they're, they've got, they're moved to move, but one is going in the right direction and one isn't. Uh, and then it takes an encounter with the risen Lord for those that are running away to, to, run turn, back. to, ru- to turn around and go, to go back. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, yeah. And you know, the whole season of Lent is about is about this transformation, right? This rebirth. That was the beauty of the story of Lazarus, that 
you know, it might not be, Ezekiel talks about the rising, you know, the opening of the grave, graves and the rising of the dead. It might not be as dramatic as that. You know, mm-hmm. we're probably not going to turn into a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> uh, but each one of us is called to that new life, that transformation. And, and I think a great sign of that, that it actually has taken root, is that we are sent like Jesus was sent by the Father. You know, just one thing looking at Mary Magdalene, of course, is this incredible figure in this moment and then also just throughout the church the inspiration that Mary Magdalene is just in the hearts of people the story about her getting to the tomb early and then later we see this personal encounter with Jesus in the garden and mistaking him for a gardener and I think that you could do something with that character that could really carry a homily really well I think that um, she just that f- first line, Mary of Magdala came to the tomb early in the morning while it was still dark, that there's this longing in her, whether it's excitement, uh, even though she doesn't really know what's happening, or whether it's sorrow leading her. It seems to be that these readings still have that combination of both, that she she carries this longing as she's going to the tomb. And through Lent, we carry that longing too. And even in the Easter season, that that longing for Christ is still there. So that's I think that's part of the transformation is there's throughout Lent, there's this longing to to shed away our sins, to get rid of that which is preventing us from being close to Christ. And then when we enter Easter, it's like that joyful longing that, that we want to be right there. We want to be even in the dark. We're ready right by the tomb waiting. Well, that's one of the things that I really like about her is that she doesn't even wait for the crowd, for the group. And she doesn't even know what she's looking for. She's had this this very strong experience at the cross. And then she just goes. It moves her to go to go looking. Yeah, for me, that speaks to me at least. Is I don't always know what I'm looking for, but you know what, what it is when you find it kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's a great, I think, a great model for that. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, one aspect of the second reading that maybe we can throw in here is I really love in the Gospels the image of leaven uh, in dough, precisely because leaven, you don't need a whole lot of it, and it does a tremendous amount of work, yeast, you know? Um, and think about somebody like Mary Magdalene, who is this insignificant, small figure in this random town of of the Near East, She's a very small amount of gospel witness, but she's able to share that and then cause this ripple effect that then is able to allow the dough of the church to rise. I find often myself wondering, am I being effective in the world or am I being effective as a, as a minister of the gospel? It's like, well, who cares? Just be the leaven in the dough and let the dough rise. It's not up to me to make it rise. And so Mary Magdalene at the, at the side of the tomb, she goes in haste to spread the good news, well, she's leaven for the dough of the apostles now. And that's that's what allows the early church to really be born, is that gospel witness in a very small amount. That's a testament to, the, to how faith can become second nature. Faith doesn't necessarily mean having all the right answers or having, you know, the catechism memorized or anything like that. That faith really is the experience of knowing the risen Lord, and then bringing that out just through your everyday actions. Mm-hmm. Doesn't 
it doesn't always mean that you're, you know, preaching in the streets. That it actually, it might just mean uh, these very simple gestures of, of just how you act or interact in the world. I think that sometimes the most faithful people I know are these very, very simple people that wouldn't be able to tell me all about, you know, the uh, proofs for God's existence or the proofs of the Holy Trinity, but would be able to testify something that that has Mm -hmm. moved them in a deeper way. Yeah. Oh, totally. There's something about the gospel of encounter that Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't require a degree of understanding. All it requires is an open heart, you know, to encounter the risen Lord. And it's one of the things I focused on, too, when I was sitting with this, is that Peter is somebody that I didn't know exactly what to think about in this week's readings, because he doesn't really do anything in the gospel. I mean, like, he runs, and then he arrives, but he says nothing. But then in the first reading, he says everything. He's, he's like, talking (laughs) up a storm in the first reading. And it's like, wow, the encounter with the risen Lord loosed his tongue. Hmm you know, and allowed him to give witness. Someone who who put his foot in his mouth all the time is now speaking eloquently in the book of Acts because of the encounter with Jesus. And apart from that encounter, this man is just a fisherman. Mm-hmm. Mary, Mary is just a demoniac, you know? <laughs> That's the other great thing about the image of leaven is that if you've ever worked with yeast, you have to let it sit in a bowl of sugar water so that it can spark, so that it can come to life. And so you really have to cultivate it before it can actually start working its magic. And so I think not only Peter, but Paul is another great example of how it might take a little while before this starts to work. But then when you actually allow it, it can be this huge, hugely transformative element um, into, into, our very, into the very core of who we are. Mm-hmm. Paul wasn't a firsthand witness, but he was a firsthand witness to the resurrected Jesus. Isn't it curious that the Sunday of Easter, Jesus is nowhere in the readings? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's like we have a reading. I mean, like, you know, we talk about Jesus a little bit in the book of Acts, but it's not Jesus himself. Like it's it's Peter. It's just kind of funny. It's like instead we're given Peter and we're given Paul and we're given Mary and we're given John and no Jesus. I think that it's it's a testament to I mean, if we really think about this event, so this resurrection event that happened, there is the risen Christ who did rise from the dead. And and we have the other accounts of like Jesus meeting them on the seashore and Jesus's mm-hmm. interaction with Peter and even Mary in the garden. But the resurrection is an experience of a whole group of people hmm. that they are brought into a new life. It's not oh, yeah. just the new life of Christ, but it's the new life of this group of people that then mesmerizes the world. These people, who are these people? Why are they still gathering together? And eventually, why are they willing to be martyred? You know, this story captivates the world and is still captivating the world. And it begins here with this this group of friends, and then in the case of Paul, an enemy, (laughs) that this word spreads is just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Back to your point, it's the word is is inspiring us, changing us to go out and to be sent. And so now we're, I mean, we're in Acts. We're in the Acts of the Apostles. What are they doing? What are we doing? When you say we are in that, you mean like in the readings for the weeks or in In life? In the weeks, but also, well, yeah, in life. I mean, 
yeah, we've just been sitting with Jesus in a very particular way on his passion and death. And now we're in the resurrection. We're mm-hmm. in, mm-hmm. Uh, we're in the life after right. that. Yeah. And I, I think it's important just to make the distinction between like, like liturgically we're in the book of Acts, but we are in the post-resurrection life of the church. Like I could be numbered just as, just as equally as any of these in the readings this week, I could be among their number as someone who sprints from the empty tomb to give witness to the resurrection um, or stands up as Peter does and preaches salvation history. I could be that man too, or I could be the converted enemy of the church. I could be the converted man who then preaches to the Corinthians. I don't know. I feel like the post-resurrection stuff makes it very easy to start seeing myself in this scene of the early church. Yeah. Well, and that, uh, the sequence right before the gospel at the end of it, it says Christ indeed from death is risen our new life attaining. Mm. So it is, I mean, it's Christ is risen, Christ's victory over death and also ours. The person of Christ has now become us as well. Amen. Well, that's Easter Sunday. You guys got any final thoughts? So a question I have from growing up, we used to all get these like chocolate Reese's candy and the priest would have all the little kids come up to receive the candy. (laughs) Is that something you would do, A, and B, how old is too old to go up? (laughs) I think it would be fun to do like an Easter egg hunt after after Mass. Uh I wouldn't. I wouldn't be the Easter bunny in this in this scenario. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so how old is too old to go up? How old are you, Louis? <laughs> 28. Yeah, 28. 28 right. is too old. 28 is too old. All right. Okay, I'll I'll stay in my pew this time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very good. Very good. All right, guys, well, happy Easter. Happy Easter. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. All right, guys, till next week. Bye.